You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast with your hosts, Robert Gowan, Rudy Lindsay, Mike Pritz, and Kat Kalin. So welcome back from that trip from New York. It looked like you had a really uh, good time. Yeah, it was it was fun. Just me and Lily went and it was crazy. I mean now now that I went, I think like I could go back again and it would be fine. It wasn't as hectic as people make it out to be like, Oh, it's gonna just eat you alive. Like it's it's not really that bad. Anytime you go into a big city like that, it can be stressful if you've not experienced that before. Yeah, I mean, the last time I went was two years ago, and it was for the photo shoot and the interview for the book. My mom and stepdad have been staying close by, so they actually helped with the girls while I was gone. The last time, Kyle didn't have, like, we had no help, so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to fly up there. I think I left at, like, 5 in the morning from Atlanta and then got home at midnight. So it was, like, up and back the same day. I mean, and I had some family that lives in New Jersey so a cousin of mine that I never met and her daughter kind of hustled me around the city so that I could get to where I needed to be. And that stressed me out more than this trip. You got the inside knowledge then. That's always the best way to, to visit any place. Well, what's funny is that they've lived there their whole life and they had never been to the Freedom Tower or have seen the Statue of Liberty or anything like that. Like they just never bothered to go over there. You think about how many but, people, though, live in big cities that never have visited major landmarks that others, you know, that are visiting on as tourists and stuff would want to go see. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, even in Atlanta, never went to any museums or anything. I mean, and it's all in or Montgomery. I tried to follow you on Facebook and everything when you were doing the Facebook Live. The difficulty was all of this stuff coming out lately just because of the change and the administration and the whole bit has it's just been crazy. For some people, there are challenges in dealing with change, period. And anytime it doesn't fit their agenda of things that they are more comfortable with, and a lot of that might be because of past experiences, you know, that relate to how they had dealt with change in the past or seen things that occurred that makes them more uncomfortable. And a lot of that, that's what it is. I mean, dealing with change is fear. And the adjustment. One of the biggest things that I take away, too, is that everybody needs to understand that change is always going to happen. I mean, I remember having subordinates that used to come to me and they'd say, you know, for a company, God, I just wish we'd stop changing and we'd stay stagnant for a period of time just so that we can catch our breath and, you know, that type of thing. And I'm like, guys, you got to understand change is always going to be around. And not only that, but it's a healthy thing because as a company, you're adapting to the environment, you're adapting to the marketplace and the changing things that are going on there. And if you don't do that, you're not going to survive. Those of us who've been in the military, we started learning that very early on in basic training and boot camp where they started making you uncomfortable, started throwing a lot of change at you, and they wanted to teach you that you need to handle the environment that you're in at that moment and learn to adapt. And you know, for just from like personal experience, I went to basic training the summer of my junior and senior year. It was one of those split options. And then I went back to high school, and that was completely foreign to me. And then graduating high school, going back to training, and then going into Iraq. And I remember I always had these little tiny episodes of just, like, extreme anxiety. And it would last, I don't know, it would last, like, a few days. And I'm like, man, I just feel like I'm out of control. And then everything would level out. And I think, like, for me personally, if you – and for others, like, experiencing change – 
that made me uncomfortable with it because I, I tend to be uncomfortable with change, but I, I always know that I prepare myself for this little period and that time frame that I'm going to be extremely anxious and kind of like over analyzing and extremely, I guess you could say a little bit more paranoid than normal. But if you can identify like when you start feeling that way and control it, it makes things a lot easier. And I've noticed that when I was in Iraq and I'm like, man, this is like, this is crazy to me. And then when I got home and then adjusting to, you know, the rest of like the new job and then going into Afghanistan, I remember going into Afghanistan and I was actually on a mission. It was probably like my first or second mission. And I started feeling like it wasn't so much the job or the environment because I always thrive there, but it was just, I could definitely, I felt the same way that I felt in different circumstances. And I get, I knew that, that this was going to last like maybe a day or two and that I just needed to, you know, recenter myself and, you know, do the self-talk and everything because it helped me overcome that instead of like a lot of people, they just dive into it and that's where they become irrational and emotional. And for me, that's helped a lot because I've always had just small adjustment issues when it comes to changing environment and change of scenery and change of jobs. But just like being able to like figure out yourself, because that's like you said, a lot of people, they get so wrapped up and they and they want to stay stagnant but the last time I checked like my three-year-old like she has her little Samsung kids tablet and that kid can navigate that thing like nobody's business and I'm just like oh my god like I you have to keep up with the times or you're gonna get you're gonna get washed out and especially if you want to thrive you have to keep educating yourself and I think if you can identify issues within yourself then you'll be able to adapt easier with with whatever job or transitioning or just life in general. I, you know, people are ready to embrace technology changes, industry changes for the most part, because they see the value of that out of what comes from it. You know, it's either the technology I can now communicate easily or I can text or do whatever. And then in the case of industry, it means more jobs, changing environment. For the most part, I think they get somewhat okay with that. I think the bigger thing that I learned a long time ago from a really great mentor is that You've probably heard the saying, we can only control what we control. So I, I used to tell a lot of people that you can control the change because you can control what happens to you. And by that, I mean, you can't control what's happening over there, but you can control how you react to that change. You control you. Nobody controls you. So you right. might see... You might see changes of leadership and change of command, or you may have a new change of employment, or you might see a new administration from a macro sense or a change in economy, or you might see a change at the pump when you go get gas. But all of these things are outside influences or things that are going on you can't control, but you can control how you react to it. Exactly. And to me, that's much more important. When I think back of our military time, the reason why we do training all the time is to build instincts so that we can then control and adapt change when it happens. That's the whole reason why you do that. Right. On the immediate, not to go down a rabbit hole, but so I've been taking this, this history and political science class and it's been really interesting because it's like the 1850s and beyond. Mm -hmm. And I've been just listening, like, just like you said, with uh, industrialization and, you know, the economic growth and everything and I was just doing this chapter and like now that I'm older and I actually take my my schooling a lot seriously and I can pertain it to everyday life so I was reading you know just about the industrial re revolution and how you know all these new inventions and all this new um 
the country was thriving and people were excited and people were coming here for jobs and ready to work and wanting to put in the effort to make their lives better. And it's like nowadays, we're kind of going through the same thing, especially with technology and different ways with the military and different ways like to like colleges, like online learning or just jobs in general. I mean, like you were saying, like you could work from Georgia and your company is in California, you know, and a lot of times that, that adjustment could be very difficult. But one thing that just kind of struck me is that during that time in the 1860s, you know, after the Civil War, after everything was starting to get built up, I mean, people were excited about working. People were excited about educating themselves and the knowledge. And, and I think that is a huge problem nowadays because we have created a generation of entitlement and people are mostly scared so I just, you know, and I was thinking about this last night, I was like, man, and I tweeted about it. And I'm like, I wish that I was a part of the industrial revolution because that time was like everybody's time. We could do anything. Communication. Just put your mind to it, put the work into it. But communication and information didn't flow as easily back then. I mean, think about what they had in the 1850s of ways to communicate. It was as far as world news and U.S. news, it was primarily the newspaper it was radio a little bit later, and then we started getting into more of television, and television became a, another avenue to do that, but even up until the, the 60s, 70s, and so you only had three channels that you could really choose from. You had UHF right. and VHF. So, I mean, your knowledge span was very limited, and usually you were kind of in a bubble, and you, if your vision was good within your bubble, and you knew where the country was headed from a macro sense, you probably embraced it a lot better. There's always going to be change in, in parts of your life. Embrace the change. Find ways to embrace the change. And what I found one of the best ways to do it was I took advantage of the military experience that I had in adapting to the change and started looking for ways to embrace it and instead use my skills and experience and strengths to actually help others or to, to maneuver through the change. And by that, I mean you think about things out there. There are jobs like change management. There are project managers. There are... People who thrive in change environments because they know it's always going to be there. So they're looking for the next horizon. Entrepreneurs even, or intrapreneurs, they're looking for the next horizon. What's going to be the next change so they can take that on and use that to their advantage in terms of making better money, in creating companies or products or services that would be bought. So if you're an individual that is change adverse and you don't really like change, we'll start thinking internally about you know what you carry within you as skills and strengths and apply that in a positive way to the change that's coming. Now you start feeling like you have more control. Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that comes to definitely ties in with education and preparation. Cause if you like anything, like our entire military careers, you constantly need to be prepared and educated, especially if you're going into an environment that you're not familiar with. If you know that this change is going to be coming, it is vital to prepare yourself on not only knowledge base but personal base like how you're going to be feeling about the situation it's like a job interview it's like are you going into this job interview which is your life which is the the path that you want to go as far as career or family or whatever but you really need to have your resume completed and your certifications or education you know all those bullet points so that you can be prepared, so that you can go in there and feel confident that you are going to be successful and that you won't have to deal with the possibilities of failures that come only because you weren't prepared. 
Totally. And you know, as a leader, I think one of the biggest things you've got to do is get away from being behind your desk, get out there with the troops or with your subordinates, learn more about them and understand the different cultures and how people are very diverse. Because if you're not doing that, then you're not understanding how people are going to react to the change. Everybody, like you had mentioned about your environment, where you came, grew up, and, you know, not really mentioned a whole lot about my environment, but I grew up in a very small town, in a very rural area. And so when you start looking at folks like us who grew out in very rural areas, we're going to have a different idea of change and culture and diversity than somebody who grew up in a big city, perhaps, like a New York, you know, Philadelphia, L.A. And so one of the great things about the military that helped us in changing or adapting was we were able to experience people of different cultures and diverse backgrounds that allowed us to have a bigger picture. And that vision, I think, really helped us in adapting the change. At least it did me. No, that's I completely agree. And while you were we were saying that I was just thinking, so when I went back to my trip to New York, so I, I took Lily to get her hair done and the hairstylist was, um, her name was Nadia and she was from Armenia and she had lived in New York city for the last 27 years. And we were talking, I said, you know, how do you like living here? And how do you like, you know, the culture? And she said, well, in Armenia, everything is so set in stone and people, you don't, all you, all you see is Armenians. And she's like, when I came to the United States, I was so overwhelmed by the diverse culture that it was hard. It wasn't that I didn't accept it. It was hard because I was flooded with, you know, I need to learn about these cultures so that I am more better prepared within this environment. And, and now she says, this is something like she'll never leave New York City because that is the one thing that she loves the most is you will always meet somebody from a different background or different culture that you get to learn something about them. And I think it goes same with the military. Like even when I joined, it was complete culture shock, like very first time on the East Coast and experiencing different ethnic groups and different cultures and uh, huge diversity. And it and it was a little um, overwhelming, but you know, having the time that I spent, most of the people, I mean, we're all here in the same bucket trying to do the same thing. But if you think about it, over time, it's the same thing. Like, those are the people we gravitate to. Those are the people that, you know, that's what I miss about the military most. And it's like that that diverse culture, it's like the things that you fear within a change may become your biggest comfort level over time. And I, like, I, that's one thing that I really miss about, and that's one thing I loved about New York City was, I mean, I met, a, you know, Nadia, who's Armenian. I met a British couple. I've met um, a Jamaican cab driver. Like, we, you name it. Like, I ran into tons of different people. And it's like you get to learn so much. And I think if you just embrace that knowledge, it, it will make your transition and opening willingness to adapt a lot easier. As a leader, a lot of times you create the change and you don't really think about it. But as again, as I mentioned, a change of command or if you're trying to change the culture, especially if you're working for a company that you're now going to take from a privately owned company to a publicly traded company or all kinds of different things, you're going to create change and anxiety within that company or even a merger or acquisition for that matter. If you start looking as a leader about how you're going to change by getting out behind your desk, understanding those different types of people, their diversity, and how people came from different cultures or environments, it's really going to help you. And the first thing you need to do, though, and I'm going to harken back to a book by Larry Bossidy and Ram Charan, and 
a book called Execution, The Discipline of Getting Things Done. One of the things they talked about is that you don't really need a lot of complex theory or employee surveys to use the framework. What you need to do to change people's behavior so that they produce results, that's that's really what you're driving towards. So you tell people clearly that vision or what you're really driving for out of the change. Then you discuss how to get those results. And then, you know, that's part of the coaching process. And then you reward the people if they do it. And if they come up short, you provide additional coaching, withdraw rewards, or help them find other opportunities either within the company or somewhere else. But what you really start doing is creating a culture of getting things done. Right. And, I, you know, that, that stems all the way back to, you know, I have, I have young children and just my daughter being in elementary school. It's the same thing. It's like you are trying to create these members of society, whereas it could be in, in a business or um, in a company. And you have to lay out the ground rules, but not, and, and it all, it's all in about presentation and appearance. So I think, like you said, if you, if you can lay out a plan, even if it's within yourself or coming out, transitioning out of the military, lay out a plan that gives you outcomes. And then if those outcomes are reached through whatever efforts, then you will be rewarded with such, or if not, then you need to go back and reevaluate your plan. And just like you said, like, changing people's behavior. It's, it's like they, they want to succeed. People want to succeed. So if you give them a goal and they reach that goal and you reward them for that goal, then they're going to want to work harder for the next thing. And I, I mean, we, it's not only a business. I mean, we do that in everyday life and leadership also, but I think any good leader needs to get off of their butt out of the office and get out there with their guys and be able to embrace who they have and the different levels, the different type of people, the different type of cultures that they have and how they can contribute to the, um, the outcome as a whole. I talked about using it to your advantage. You know, we we're talking about this whole company situation about like cultural change too, or an acquisition and such. And I've had people that are worried about their jobs, you know, whether or not they're going to lose it and the whole bit. This is a clear opportunity for you to embrace the change instead and start looking at, all right, you know what? My skills and experience could really shine in this opportunity. I have a background in X and I can then show leadership how that can add value to the organization and help them through this integration of this acquisition, this cultural change, whatever. If you get deep down inside you, instead of looking for the fear and becoming more and more, creating more and more anxiety, try to find the ways and opportunities in which you can not only improve the outlook for yourself, but also help others around you start seeing the benefits of the change by providing your skills and experience. Right. And, and I think, too, with a lot of, especially military personality, we tend to be humble. We tend to not want to talk about our experiences or our strengths or the, the type of training and what we learned and what we um, accomplished from it. And I think too, like giving yourself credit and owning your credit and like, I, I know it sounds silly, but like really positive self-talk. That's something that I learned. And I think a lot of people coming out of the military, they, they feel down because they can't, they, they're coming into a completely foreign culture, which is the civilian sector, but positive self-talk and actually taking ownership of the, of the, positive and, and good things you did in the military and what you can contribute to the civilian side and being confident in your skills will definitely showcase when you actually go to wherever you're transitioning in life and help you along the way. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I didn't even think about the transitional aspect of it, but if you start reaching within yourself and you see those skills and experiences, it'll also help you translate that better onto your resume and then it'll come across in the job interview. Well, even in leadership too, it's anywhere on the civilian side or even in the military, it's, you have to be confident within yourself to have people follow you and feel confident in you and feel like the mission can be completed. So if you start using self-doubt and getting all those negative thoughts in your head, then it's going to show. And then you're going to eventually the people that are supposed to support you will become leery of your capabilities and, and not want to do the job and their behavior. I mean, it's a terrible domino effect. It will probably start falling. So definitely ground yourself. In, and I think even when times get bad or if times are going astray to give yourself a breather and a break so you don't completely knock over the first domino. Yeah, having an open mind, I mean, obviously as a leader, it's going to be very important that I mentioned a lot about showcasing your leadership shadow, but that's where the leadership shadow really comes into place. People are watching you and they're going to see how you react and how you're treating others throughout this changing environment. But also having an open mind to a lot of the change as an individual we, we talked about the culture and diversity and those types of things, but just having an open mind that the change might be actually for the betterment of the whole organization or for yourself, you'll go through it easier for sure. I mean, think about your situation. Here you were with the cultural support teams, especially going to work with the Rangers in Afghanistan, and this is a very type A personality, male-driven organization that all of a sudden is going to have this infusion of women. Now, of course, you guys were attached and not assigned, but now we're starting to see those changes. And without getting too much into the whole women in the military and whether they should belong or not in combat arms, I think my overall discussion here or what I'm trying to bring about is that change is always going to be happening. Sure, we may learn lessons from it. We may revert back to where we were going. And we need to realize as leaders that when we implement change, we better be able to reverse it and get out of it. And But I've also seen in my lifetime where it comes full 360 and we end up implementing the change again, it's just slightly modified. So who knows what the future may be, but you lived that experience right there in Afghanistan. Well, that's, and that isn't even just with, I mean, with women in the military too. And this is a, a good point, especially, and you brought this up, bringing it kind of full circle, is you can only change what you can change and you can only control what you can control. So even though, and that's, in that environment, when it came down to personal beliefs of women out there on the battlefield or, or if they're a liability or whatever, I mean, that's one thing I've always told myself is however they feel about me personally is none of my business. So I am going to control what I can control and I am going to contribute what I've learned and what my strengths are to the mission to be successful as far as personal beliefs and bias. But if you, you just like worry about what's going on with you and your, and how you are going to make the mission effective. And that's one thing that I learned out there is that once I got past the proving point and that I was able to showcase my strengths and be a contributor to the mission, it was, it wasn't about gender. It wasn't about the things that were out of my control. Like I can't control that I'm female and, but I was given this opportunity and I took it and I was successful at it. So, you know, if you disagree with it, then that's on you. And, and, honestly, that's none of my business. And I really don't want to hear about it. You know what I mean? Cause it just, it, it ultimately, it will start causing havoc within the team within anywhere. You know, if, if, you, if that's one thing too, especially with being a professional is you just kind of got to put yourself, 
your criticisms of other people aside, like things that will not help and just leave them at the door because it doesn't help. Yeah, leadership made a decision. We talk a lot about in the military about just salute the flag and move on. And seriously, that's what it's about. Try not to make it bigger than what it is. Sometimes it might just be the size of a bread box, but we decide to make it much bigger than what it really is. But again, if the leadership comes out and gives a clear vision of what they're trying to do, and they obviously have evaluated whether the timing is right, that's the direction that we're now moving in, whatever it is. And you go out there and try to find ways in which you can embrace the change. You can find ways that you can control what you can control, which of course is yourself and how you react to that. And especially as your leader, as you pointed out, how you're casting that shadow and other people are are observing you as to how you're going to react to the change. If you start coming out negative, they're automatically going to jump on board with that. But look for ways to find advantages of how you can use your skills and experience and then help others adapt. That's the big thing. I mean, if you've embraced it, you found ways in order to handle it, or you're better at adapting to changing environments, then turn around to your brothers and sisters standing next to you and help them through that because not everybody can quickly adapt. Right, yeah. I mean, even with the new generation and myself growing up in a bubble, it was definitely hard. But I, I exactly, having a peer or a leader or even just somebody that may even be your subordinate, like learning from them and assisting them in, you know, it's a part of the growth process, especially within the ranks uh, or the, the military environment or the going through the civilian sector transitioning. I mean, if you notice these things, definitely take the time and don't look at it as a burden. Your reaction or your peer's reaction will eventually either help or burden or make things worse for the individuals. I think being critical is, it could be a downfall at times, but seek help or help if you if you are having difficulty. You don't have to have a title in order to be a leader. So this is a clear opportunity to show your maturity, your leadership capabilities and step out there and do it. Right, I agree. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and at Facebook by searching at Mentors, the number four M-I-L, and please subscribe to our podcast. It's free, and it ensures you're the first to hear our latest podcast show. We have several options depending upon your device, and we're at iTunes, SoundCloud, at Stitcher, and at TuneIn Radio. It doesn't matter whether you are searching for your passion or purpose, finding your way through a military or civilian career, working on your fitness, or just about to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Get after it.